Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the May 31st episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Today, I am talking NBA Finals with my friend and former co-worker at Odd Shark, Jill Glant. He is now with FTN Bets, uh, so it's pretty much just an interview with him. We talk mostly NBA Finals. We catch up a little bit, uh, do a segment that I've done before, which is Choose Your Future. We talk some futures bets uh, across uh, multiple different sports, uh, so it's a fun conversation with him. Enjoy it. Uh, I don't have anything else to talk about. I'll have picks for my con- for the conference finals uh, tomorrow. I'll be doing a live stream or today, I guess, by the time we're listening to this. Uh, as of right now, it is Game Seven. While I'm recording this, is Game Seven between the Hurricanes and Rangers, and the Rangers are up two nothing. I fucking hate the Rangers. I hate the Rangers. They are not a good team. They are literally a one man team. Igor Shosturkin is going to steal them this series, and now I'm going to lose both Futures tickets I had in the same series. So I had Flames to win the West, Hurricanes to win the Stanley Cup, both eliminated by inferior teams. But that's okay. We still have a lot of NHL playoffs left, uh, so i got a live stream tomorrow. I don't know what time it's going to be out on Tuesday, but I'll be giving out my picks for the conference finals uh, and also my normal time slot of uh, 6, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, green on the greens with Cody Williams to talk this week's um, Memorial Tournament. Uh, so check out that. But this is all NBA Finals because it is the NBA Finals. I'm not an NBA guy, so I figured who better to bring on to talk NBA than my good friend Jill Gallant. So enjoy it, myself, Jill. Dig into it. It is the May 31st episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. Let's go. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws. More bacon than the pan can handle. 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 Utility man. Utility man. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by my good friend and former co-worker, Jill Gallant, sports betting analyst with FTN Bets, host of Touchdown Town and Dog Day Afternoon. You can find him at GDog5000 on Twitter. Jill, whose name do you think gets mispronounced more often, mine or yours? Oh, come on. Are we really having this debate? It, it, you gotta, you gotta think. It's me, one nothing on in this contest because people look at my name, they immediately want to say the S every time they see it. They think Jill's Gallant. So right there, I have the edge on you right there. So it would be a minus EV bet to bet on you, as people would mispronounce it more than me. I'm just saying. I feel like, do you not get Giles more than anything? Giles, Giles. Gills, uh, well, it depends. I, I find sometimes uh, some people, they try to put way too much effort into it, and they're like, Gilles, like you're almost trying to like add an extra syllable to it. And then other times, they don't even care. They're like, hey, Gilles, 
and, and they'll almost say it like aggressively. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, so you know that you probably didn't pronounce my name right. And you're going to say like, you know, almost like aggressively towards me. So really it depends on the person, but I've heard every variation. Yeah, I, I'm getting Lane more than any other time in my life since I moved to the States. I don't think anyone in the States has seen the name Ian before or something, because I get Lane now like 80% of the time. It's insane. Well, I think it's because of the way it's spelled. Like when they see it, and then also they think it might be a, like a lowercase l, like maybe you're trying to be like this progressive person now living in New York State that you start your first name with a lowercase letter now. I'm not really sure. <laughs> a lot has changed you know, in the time that I've seen you, so maybe that is the case. I'm not sure. A lot has changed, and one of the big thing that I want to talk to you about, obviously, before we're going to talk NBA Finals, that's that's a big reason why I'm bringing you on. I'm on record as not an NBA guy, uh, so I figured, hey, who better to bring on to talk the NBA Finals than you? Maybe educate me a little bit on it. Um, but things have changed, Jill, and before we dive into the NBA Finals, I, I need to know, because it, it's it's gotten to the point of bothering me that like I, I don't know the answer to this. What's, what's the goal with the long hair? Are you just going to grow <laughs> until it's down to your butt? Because at the start, I it was like, okay, this is like, I get it. It's COVID. We're all in lockdown. Grodo. Yeah, I, I get it. But now we're like three years later. Like, COVID's basically over for the most part, and it's just longer than ever. Like, what's the goal? What's the uh, end game with the hair? So I'm glad you brought that up because I have just actually made an appointment to get a haircut, but you are not the first person to bring that up and saying, all right, it was cool for like the first year, and even the second year, it was like, oh man, you're really sticking it out. And now in the third year, it's like, all right, right, man, like you are clogging every drain in your your house right now. So you need to do something about it. And you're right. Uh, I don't know if I could do a third summer with hair down to the middle of my back, especially because for a lot of people who don't uh, know, like, or maybe just follow me recently, like I had short hair pretty much the first 34 years of my life. And then I decided when COVID happened, I was like, you know what? Haircuts are too expensive. They're like 40 bucks a pop plus tip. And all for what? You know how our haircuts are. Like It's like takes them 10 minutes to do it. And I'm not saying that they're not worth their time or whatever, but I was like, you know what? You add that up over a year, you're being on camera all the time. I'm trying to save some money, try to save like $400, $500 a year. Well, you know, it's two years later. I think it's time for a haircut. I think it's due. You've saved enough money now. Are you you chopping it all off? No, but I am. But see, that's another wrinkle to this. And uh, you'll notice this when you start to age into your mid to late 30s is starts to get a little thin on the back there. So mm-hmm. right now, this is not me clinging to any part of youth that I have left, but this is me more just not wanting to go few, full cue ball right off the gate. Because if I shave it down and cut it down to a nice crew cut the way that we used to do it, you're just going to see a big ball patch in the back. And I don't really want to do that anymore. All right, breaking news. The biggest news that will be released on this podcast, Jill Glant is getting some form of haircut. Not chopping it all off. Might be a little bit shorter, though. But it's definitely coming within the next week. I, I, it's serious, man. Like, like you're from where I live now, uh, just outside of uh, in, in Nova Scotia. So you know what it's like, you know, at this time of year where it gets a little bit more humid and just, man, like I was – today it was a nice, beautiful day, one of the first nice days of the year. But – because of frigging how long my damn hair is, uh, it, it makes it really difficult to enjoy it because you're just sitting there kind of panting like a dog. Yeah, I feel that. I tried the long hair. Uh, I gave up, though, a few weeks ago. Um, but let's talk about uh, some actual sports here. NBA Finals uh, start. What uh, When's game one? Wednesday, Thursday? Thursday night. Game one, June 2nd, NBA Finals. Boom. Golden State Warriors, Boston Celtics. Just give me like your overall thoughts on just the matchup. Is it a good matchup? Did the teams match up good stylistically with each other? Is it going to be a good series? Is it going to be worth watching? I would definitely say it's worth watching, especially with like the lead up into this final, because uh, as you're probably being more of a periphery fan, you still probably noticed from social media and at least just if you were tuning into games here or there, a lot of blowouts, a lot of just games that were decided pretty much by halftime or even midway through the third quarter didn't make it very enjoyable for a casual fan, let alone somebody who was betting it. I mean, you'd obviously be very enthused if you're betting on a favorite or an underdog and they're up by like 25 midway through the third quarter that's great but you know for the other people who are in that spot it's not very much fun to watch it in that respect but the good news is it looks like the right teams made it out of each conference there isn't anything uh like the celtics made it 
not because there was injury or, you know, you could argue that maybe the Bucks might have beat them if they had Chris Middleton. But even then, you still got to give the Celtics credit for their defensive effort on stopping Giannis Antetokounmpo the way that they were able to do. Um, same thing with against the Nets and taking Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's best shot and even being able to uh, – stifled this overwhelming energy from the heat and Jimmy Butler in game six, that basically the, a game they should have won. And then having to be able to withstand that and then take it over in the fourth quarter, which was nice to see an actual competitive game uh, being it was a game seven. But I think that it's going to be a worthy final to watch even for you and your perspective of being somebody who's not always as tuned into the NBA as, as others, um, you can still enjoy it. Cause you'll know a lot of players on the court. Like, you know, Steph Curry, you know, Draymond Green, you know, Clay Thompson, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, um, Marcus smart. So once you kind of get past that and you'll be able to see some other players that you recognize. And from a betting perspective, I think it's going to be pretty good as well because you're not really going to see a game that's going to have like a seven point, eight point spread, you know, whether it be home or away. So that makes it a little bit easier um, from somebody just to come in and say, you know what, I like this team. And you could take a nice short spread on it if you're like a favorite, like a minus two, minus two and a half and not feel like you have to have a team win by like 10 in an NBA finals game. Yeah, now you mentioned uh, names that I recognize in this series, and there's one name in particular that I want to ask you about because uh, this is a guy, obviously, that I, I, I've kind of rooted for him because it's, it's Andrew Wiggins, uh, obviously a Canadian. He was highly touted coming out. I thought he was like a, a borderline bust for a couple of years, and now all of a sudden it seems like he's one of the more important players on on the Warriors. So, Kai, like, what happened with Andrew Andrew Wiggins here? I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, have we seen, like, a career, like, resurgence from him? I think it's just as simple as being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and some of it is just youth as well. I think the one thing, too, is... You- you take a guy like Andrew Wiggins who has all the talent in the world, but might not necessarily care as much as uh, like a Kobe Bryant does or um, other of those guys that you would consider quote unquote killers. But at the same time, uh, when you're playing for a team like the Timberwolves that just didn't have good ownership and good management, that's a lot of the time where good lottery picks um, go to die in a, in a sense, just because they're, they're never really given a chance to succeed and they're always kind of on a middling team. And then you take a guy like Andrew Wiggins who has all, all that talent and just needs somebody to channel it and you put it on a team like Golden State where you're not expecting him to be uh, the best player, even the second best player, or really even the third best player on their team, which is nice. And you could see that that relief of pressure of not being able to be of not being the you know the savior in a way uh when he arrived in minnesota has really taken his game to a new level and i mean you're, you're seeing it in this uh nba playoffs he's averaging just around 16 points per game but he you know he had a couple crucial games against dallas where he was putting up you know 20 25 points and uh playing solid perimeter defense and if golden state wants to win this series against boston they are definitely going to need huge contributions from Wiggins, uh, especially on the perimeter where Boston is so strong. So now that Andrew Wiggins has made like a little bit of a career resurgence, is is Anthony Bennett going to make a comeback or no? Oh boy! Well, maybe maybe on the national circuit. Like that's the thing. Uh, it, I feel bad for Anthony Bennett because that draft was a complete crapshoot as it was like Giannis went like ninth or 10th like you know what I mean in that draft nobody knew what they were doing why don't you blame the GMs and the GM of Cleveland for putting him in that spot and taking a guy who had asthma you know and a shoulder injury coming out of college and playing one year there were clearly other more talented guys that more proven but then you got to put the number one bill on him and make him basically have that pressure let him bust out as a third third overall pick like a lot of guys do don't put the first overall pick on a fellow canadian and make him set up to fail is he even in the nba anymore no no he's been out of the (laughs) nba pretty much since the end of his rookie contract. Like, I don't even think he made it to the end of his rookie contract. He might've signed a couple 10 days, uh, you know, to try to get back on, but it just wasn't for him. And, but you've seen stints of him on the national team. And I think the European game and the international game maybe more appealed to him, but at the same time, uh, the, the Genesis and the adaptation and uh, evolution of Canadian basketball has just made him obsolete anyway, because um, the Canadian national basketball program for a lot of people who may not realize it's actually pretty good. Canada is becoming more than just a hockey country. Basketball, we're in the World Soccer. Cup now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, and, and we're taking over the sports betting space. So tell you yes. what, too bad. <laughs> uh, series odds. I know you did, you wrote up a full preview uh, for the NBA Finals at FTN Bet, so I encourage everyone to go check that out. You have that pinned on your Twitter profile, pretty easy to find. Um, I don't want you to, to give it all away, but I am curious. Series odds, 
Uh, I saw Celtics around plus 130, Warriors minus 150. Uh, is there betting value on the Celtics or kind of is this just going to be the Warriors series to win? All right. So, I mean, I don't really want to give away who I was picking, but I mean, I think by answering that, I'm going to. So, spoiler alert, if you, if you wanted to read the article first, go for it. But either way, the way I look at it, Ian, is I think the Celtics are the better team. And I know this sounds wow. blasphemous to say from looking at from the 2015 to 2019 range of how dominant the Warriors were, um, you know, how awesome Steph Curry is. But I just think from a team aspect, I think the the Celtics just defensively have the edge on them. And I'm not really sure if they're going to be able to – if the Warriors are going to be able to score enough points on the Celtics to actually win this series. I think this series should be closer to like, you know, Warriors minus 130, Celtics plus 120, like that kind of thing. Like very close to like a coin toss. The reason why you're giving the Warriors the edge, obviously, is because they do have home court advantage in the series. And – um, somebody sent me the stat earlier and I uh, went to double check and it is correct, but they were like 22 and one under Steve Kerr in game ones um, so far in, in the playoffs. So just something to consider that uh, I think it actually the last game one that they lost was uh, against the Raptors uh, in 2019, uh, coincidentally. So um, just keep that in mind. Again, I wouldn't bank too much on that trend, but at the same time, the reason why I like the Celtics as well is just because of how awesome they've been on the road in the playoffs, man. They're they're um, eight and one against the spread uh, in nine road playoff games, especially some huge outright wins. Like game six against the Bucks is a perfect example where they were sitting at like, you know, four or five point underdogs on the road in an elimination game and went in there and just went in like gangbusters. And, and that's one of the things that's been nice about the Celtics is you could pretty much tell from the first quarter if they're into it and if they're probably going to win that game because a lot of the time they just come out and are up by like 15 to 20 points like within the first quarter. And also the road to the finals has been so much dip more difficult for the Celtics in comparison to the Warriors. Now, I will still give the Warriors credit. They had to beat some good teams along the way. But if you look at the defensive teams that they were playing, like you look at the Nuggets, it was basically Nikola Jokic and a bunch of role players. Of course, they're going to be- beat them within five games. Then they're playing the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant gets hurt in game two. I know a lot of people would point to the fact that um, the Grizzlies did all right this season without John Morant. But again, that's the regular season. You need your best players on the floor. They didn't have to play the Grizzlies with their best player. And then also against uh, the Mavericks, the Mavericks were in the same position the Warriors were when they were first coming up in this make or miss kind of uh, team where if their three-pointers are hitting, they're almost unbeatable. But if they, they don't hit any threes, they become obsolete, and that's exactly what happened against the Mavs. The the Warriors did a very good defensive job of making sure that their three-pointers weren't going to go down, and uh, when that happened, that's why they went up 3-0 on the series very quickly. I don't think that's going to happen against the Celtics. I think the Celtics can find other ways to score. Um, they're very good down low. They're the type of team that has really a lot of roster flexibility when it comes to playing big, small, um, like the tallest guy the Warriors will end up playing is Kavon Looney, who's maybe like 6'9", 6'10", um, and he can't play more than probably like 25 to 30 minutes. So uh, there's going to be a lot of size issues, I think, for the Warriors. Now, can Steph Curry get hot and all of a sudden just hit, go for 40? Of course, but we haven't really seen that Steph game, you know, in this playoffs. Maybe he was saving him for the finals, but – uh, he scores differently now comparatively to his MVP years in like 2015 and 2016 and that he could still get those points and rack it up, but he's not this like firecracker three-pointer shooter who's just going to put up like nine threes and a half like the way that he was uh, in his earlier years. So to make a long story short, I am taking the Celtics to win the championship at plus 140, plus 150, plus 160, whatever odds you can get it at your sports book. I will say, though, that if you are going to bet the Warriors, I would recommend to see kind of what happens after game one. It's a little bit of a risk, but if the Warriors end up losing game one, you're probably going to be able to get them at, you know, maybe plus odds or even like minus 110 just to make it a little bit easier. Um, and we could talk about NBA, NBA Finals MVP odds and uh, maybe some different strategy there. That was my next question, uh, actually, so good to segue into it. Now, I know you have another article coming out tomorrow, I believe, uh, breaking down NBA Finals MVP. Uh, so you don't have to give that that whole thing away, but kind of my question is, uh, and you mentioned Steph Curry, do you think he's going to get a little bit of like uh, a little bit of a nod if the Warriors obviously would have to win the series, but uh, kind of like a legacy Finals MVP, kind of like Leo uh, DiCaprio winning uh, the Oscar for, what was it, The Revenant, which is not 
by by far not his best movie, but it's like he hasn't won an Oscar yet. We got to give him an Oscar. Is that how people are going to feel about Steph Curry with the Finals MVP, with him not winning one so far in his career? It is, yeah. And another uh, Revenant uh, reference as well. If you just look at the best actor categories from that year, it somewhat is a legacy pick for DiCaprio, but at the same time, the other four candidates just weren't as good that year. So Leo, even though it wasn't his best movie, he still was the best actor that year. So I will just kind of go back and forth with that. Now, on to the NBA Little Oscars MVP. talk on the podcast. Who saw oh, that yeah. Coming? If you ever want to throw that down, you just let me know. Now, let's move on to NBA Finals MVP. The thing is, is a lot of people will bring up the idea of, well, if you're going to bet the Warriors, just take Steph Curry for MVP. It's plus 110. That's a big difference between the actual championship odds at minus 150, minus 160, comparatively to Steph Curry at at what plus 110 to win MVP. If you think about it just from a probability standpoint, like implied probability at minus 160, that means that there's probably like 66 to you know, 70% chance of winning that bet. Whereas with Curry, that's around 40 to 45%. Usually the best player wins the NBA finals MVP. So I think sports books might be covering their asses here a little bit because of what happened in 2015 when Andre Iguodala won it over him. Um, and that's why you're seeing odds for guys like Clay Thompson at 14 to one Draymond at 14 to one Jordan Poole at 25 to one. Do I endorse those as picks? Not necessarily, but they are the type of players that can make an impact and in such a short span um, that could end up taking this finals MVP uh, trophy from Steph if he has so much attention that's paid attention to him. Because that's the one thing about Steph why sometimes people wonder, like, how come he doesn't go off? It's like, well, it's hard to go off for 30, 40 points when you have two defenders constantly following right. you all, all over the place and your whole defense is shifted to stop him. And that's why those other guys like Draymond or – Jordan Poole and Clay are able to get off or Wiggins, you know, same thing. That's pretty much what happened in the Dallas series where they were trying so hard to stop Steph that Andrew Wiggins was able to pretty much just walk to the rim whenever he wanted. That's not going to probably happen against the Celtics. Now, obviously there are sometimes and some adjustments that Steve Kerr and the coaching staff of Golden State will make to be able to do that. But I think with the Celtics, I think there's more value like looking at like Jalen Brown at plus 1,000, or if you wanted to take another long shot, um, looking at Marcus Smart at plus 3,000. When I wrote the NBA Finals MVP uh, preview at FTM Bets just before the conference finals, Marcus Smart was sitting there at plus 3,000, and I actually was like, you know what, that probably is a half decent bet to look at just because of if they get to the next round, um, it's probably going to be at these odds or later. I didn't think that they would keep these odds. I thought that they would lower a little bit, but I still think it's decent value. And the reason being is he takes so many shots. Game six and game seven against the Heat, he led the Celtics in shot attempts. He should not lead the team in shot attempts, but he's the type of irrational confidence guy that he will take those shots if they give it to him. And that's actually where the Warriors have allowed the most threes is actually to opposing guards as opposed to uh, opposing centers and opposing forwards. And usually uh, it's Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart that lead the team in three-point attempts. Um, so Marcus Smart like could get hot for like a four or five-game stretch also, he's going to be on the defensive assignment of stopping Steph Curry. So if he's able to limit Curry at all and limit him to his you know usual 20 to 25 points, but maybe a lower field goal percentage, and the Celtics are winning, it's not a crazy idea that Marcus Smart could win NBA Finals MVP. Now, again, it is a little bit crazy just because he's sitting there at plus 3,000 odds, and he is sharing a team with a guy like Jason Tatum, who has just ascended to uh, all NBA status and is one of the elite scorers now in the NBA. So uh, Jason Tatum sitting there at plus 175. It's not bad value, um, but at the same time, I feel like if I'm taking the Celtics, I would rather just take the Celtics at plus 130 and uh, minimize my risk instead of uh, taking Tatum, for example, at plus 175. What did the Celtics do or change? Because it seemed like halfway through, like it wasn't the first half of the season, they were like a good team, but they, they seemed to something either clicked or something changed and then became the team that they are, which ended up being, you know, obviously the Eastern Conference winner. Did, did they change something specifically halfway through the season? Yeah, it's specifically Marcus Smart, the head coach, Ime Uduka, what he did, or Doka rather, what he did is they started the year off with Dennis Schroeder. And uh, they were playing a combination of Dennis Schroeder and Smart and Peyton Pritchard and trying to use those guys as like a rotation in the backcourt. And it just wasn't working. And they were just getting exposed defensively a lot. 
And instead, what they did, uh, they were around 25 and 25, like through 50 games this season. And they decided they're just going to play smart just in the backcourt as the primary point guard and almost like as the primary attacker at the top of the defense. And that just unlocked everything for them uh, where you could allow Tatum and Brown to kind of roam on the wing. You're sitting there with Al Horford and Robert Williams. Uh, Robert Williams as well has been another revelation uh, for them. just being able to protect the rim and, and uh, get these cons- uh, contested rebounds. So the defensive identity is really what changed. It all started with Ime Odoka putting Marcus Smart as like the lead point of attack on defense and as the, the main primary point guard. Because when he was drafted, um, he was never looked at as like a primary point guard. I mean, they even they brought in guys like Kyrie Irving and, you know, they've never looked at him as a primary point until just – pretty much at the at the start of this year like in 2022 uh right around that point after the Christmas Day game and once they did that it just unlocked everything for them where you're seeing like the basically the same roster outside of Derek White that we saw in the previous three postseasons just the difference is, is now they're they've got a different defensive scheme and that allows them uh just to be so flexible and being able to you know push people to the direction that they want to and making you take the shots that you um, that uh, you don't want to do, but those are the only open ones to do. And in point as well, what happens is if you're able to make that change, then you have way more freedom for Tatum and Brown to not exhaust themselves in the defensive end, and they could just coast to coast on transition all the time. And that's what you saw against a lot of uh, higher-end teams, especially in the second half when you know playoff seeding is coming down to the wire, and they're just beating teams by like 20, 30 points because their defense was so strong. Uh, has anyone ever fumbled the bag more than Dennis Schroeder? Oh, man. In the NBA, I'll, I'll do a deep cut for you. I think Latrell Sprewell dropped don't the bag. I don't, never, I don't think I've ever heard that name before in my life. Latrell Sprewell? You've never heard that? Okay. so. All right, so then I got a little reading assignment homework for you after this, after this pod. After this, I want you to Google Latrell Sprewell and PJ Carlissimo. Or I could even send you an article. It basically is a player-coach altercation in the early 90s that just went completely haywire. But the point was about Latrell is when the Timberwolves were at their peak, right around when KG was just you know the MVP of the league, uh, the season had wrapped up and going into the next season, Latrell Sprewell felt that he got lowballed by Timberwolves management um, for a contract, which was like at the time it wasn't – it doesn't look like a lot of money now comparatively to what contracts are, but at the time – for his age, great contract. And he responded with, nah, man. And it was like a three-year, $20 million deal. And he's like, nah, man, I got kids to feed. And he never played in the NBA ever again. And oh, he was on a, uh-huh. and he was on like a championship contending team. That's somebody who, in my opinion, fumbled the bag. I love it. That was that that was a deep cut. I love it. I'll I'll, I'll read up about that. Um, do you have your pick locked in for game one yet? I do not. I, I, I should, because if you are going to take the Warriors, you probably want to grab them now. Although th- what they're going to do, and you're going to see the line, it's probably going to be uh, like it's minus two and a half, maybe minus three for the Warriors right now in game one. Um, that line will change as injury reports come out. So if you're going to take the Celtics, you may want to grab them now because most of the questionable tags are on guys on the Celtics. And if the news comes out that Marcus Smart is active. Uh, Al Horford is active. You know, Robert Williams is active. The spread is immediately going to change towards Boston. So if you have it at three, it might drop down to two. You know, might drop down to one and a half. So I would say if you're going to take the Celtics, grab them now. Um, if you're waiting on the Warriors, you could probably wait a little bit, maybe closer to tip off as more public money comes in on a team like the Celtics. That is a very public team and you would be able to get a little bit better value. But yeah, the one thing that's really good about this is that both of these teams are super public. So you're going to see like on social media, you're going to see people make very convincing claims about who's going to win game one when really they don't know shit. Uh, like the thing is because of these matchups right now, um, and what we saw from the Heat and Celtics series and what we saw from the Warriors and Mavericks series, it's really hard to quantify who's going to be um, firing in game one. It's almost like you need a little, like a quarter just to see the eye test to see how healthy people look and if they're going to get the jitters out of them. Because that's the one thing I think probably would be going against the Celtics if you could make one case is that the Warriors have been here before. 
game one in an NBA finals isn't uncommon to them, at least to most of the roster and coaching staff, whereas a lot, pretty much everybody that's on the Celtics, it's a first time run for them. Love it. Uh, we are going to finish up with a closing segment here, Jill. Uh, it's called Twitter drama. We're going to talk about who we hate the most in sports betting Twitter. So, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, I was like, please don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, here we go. I was like, oh, There's this guy that goes by at JTFOZ. He's a real douchebag. Yeah. Um, he, uh, from what I've been told, he's a, uh, he's a slumlord. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that one. <laughs> uh, no, no, but seriously, closing segment. Uh, uh, I think I'm calling it Choose Your Future. I might have called it something last time. Um, but what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through. We can do a little rapid fire. I'm going to go through futures bets for different sports, and I'm going to give you two options, and each of them are going to have either the same or very similar odds. Uh, and you just tell me which one you would rather bet on. You can just give me the answer. It can be a one-word answer, or if you have – any extra thoughts you can give me extra thoughts on it does that make sense i will try to keep my thoughts brief all right uh we're gonna start with the nba so these don't actually have odds because i couldn't find any 2023 nba championship odds uh so i'm just gonna toss some teams at you that i think their odds might be similar i would assume from my limited knowledge in the nba uh so let's start off who would you rather bet on to win the 2023 nba championship let's start off with the two conference final losers mavericks or heat Mavericks, because Mavericks, all they need to do, and it's not all they need to do, but I think their path to success is just a little bit of a tinker, whereas the Heat, I think they're maxed out on what they can do. But you can't really underestimate the Heat because they never really have cap room and they still get guys like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. So, yeah, you can't count them out. But if I had to choose, taking the Mavericks. Did Jason Kidd impress you as a coach this year? No. I mean, he did and he didn't. Like, I think I'm still kind of burned about his two previous stints as being host of uh, a coach of uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee that, like, I I still can't get the taste in my mouth of how bad some of the stuff he was doing. But at the same time, this year, he showed when you have a dominant player like Luka Doncic, anything is possible. Okay, let's move on. Lakers or Nets? Ooh, this one's tough because I've heard some rumors that they might be looking to swap Westbrook and Irving. I don't know if that's actually has any – that's a lot of smoke. I'm not really sure if there's any fire to it. Um, As the rosters are constructed right now, I would take the Nets. 76ers or Suns? Sixers, barely. All right, let's move on to 2023 NBA MVP. A three-peat in Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid? Ugh. See, I would probably take Embiid because I feel like now he's due. But actually, out of those two, I, I don't really like either of them to win next year. Giannis or Steph Curry? Giannis. John Morant. Who's the other? John Morant and who? Jason Tatum. John Moran or Jason Tate. I would probably go with Ja because I think the West is prime for the picking and they could actually have the best record in the Western Conference, whereas uh, Boston, I just think the East is still very strong, and I'm not really sure if the voters would say that it's Tatum's um, attribution for why they won MVP, whereas I feel like Jaw has more of like a fan favorite aspect. They would say that he's the reason why they won MVP. All right, that's it for NBA. We're going to move on to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go Buccaneers plus 700 or Packers 10 to 1. Oh, man. Oh, both of these teams, the Packers specifically, I can't take them. I, I just can't. I'm not doing it again. Uh, so I have to take, I have to do the Bucks. Like, well, the thing is, is that I, I felt really good about the Packers going into the playoffs. I was like, all right, this is the year that they're going to do what they need to do. And then first, first game, they can't even stop Debo Samuel. They, they F around too much. And then the second half and before they know it, they're losing that game in a, in a conference that they should have won. Like I didn't really, th- I thought they could have beat the Rams. So I don't know, man. I, I just, I can't do the Packers again. So by default, I'm going with the Bucks. Let's go Chiefs 10 to one or Bills as the favorites of plus 650. I don't bet favorites, you know that. But at the same time, the Bills are really good. Like, and they just keep getting better. But man, oh, I'm going to take the Bills because I feel like, I feel like Tyreek Hill gave them more of an edge than people let on. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster and their retooling could be able to keep them in the mix, but that being able to have a guy like Tyreek who can 
beat the defenses pretty much every time is a weapon there you're going to sorely miss this year. So I'm going with the Bills. Which Los Angeles team, the Rams at 10 to 1 or the Chargers at 14 to 1? To win, to win the NFC or win it all? Win it all. Oh, well. Well, I'd probably go with the Chargers because I it just they they're like my kryptonite team, even with Rivers. Like it's just it's that even though I know that they're going to mess up and do something so stupid in the clinching game or in a fourth quarter in a game they need to have, um, I just love watching them play football. So I would probably just only pick this for one specific reason that I enjoy watching the Chargers. So I'd like to see them in the playoffs. Um, the Rams, I'm just kind of sick of the Rams now. Okay, let's go two teams who are both at 16 to 1, the Denver Broncos with Russell Wilson or the 49ers with possibly Trey Lance? TBD. <laughs> so, um I would probably go the Raiders at this point, man. Um just because or no, it's, not the Raiders. Sorry, you said Broncos. Okay. Broncos or 49ers, yeah. Mm, this is even worse. All right, I'm going to go with Broncos. Broncos just barely. I still am like really sour about that loss from the Cowboys to the Niners. I just think that they are such a fraud team. I like, I know that people want to tell me that they're good, but they're not good. I'm taking a page out of your book. I'm calling the Niners frauds now. Oh, okay. Speaking about your Cowboys though, how about your Cowboys at 18 to one or your bank or the Bengals at 18 to one? Oh, I take Bengals 100 times out of a hundred. <laughs> You're not take because, your own team? Oh, no, God, no. Do you, like <laughs> Amari Cooper was a lot better than people give them credit for. I'm not saying CD lamb isn't good. And I'm not saying that we can't win, but like every team in our division got way better, like so much better. We didn't really make any improvements at all. Um, we took a an offensive lineman that I'm hoping can maybe take over for Tyron Smith at some point, but pretty much that team, a lot of the time, fall, what happens is it falls down that if Tyron Smith isn't healthy, they just get the shit sacked out of them and they can't move the ball. And they just, and again, you got Mike McCarthy, a coach. No, I, I would yeah. not take um, the Cowboys over the Bengals in that spot. That's my thing with the Cowboys is that I think they have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I think they can't win. I think Mike McCarthy is the worst coach in the NFL. And that's okay. Like, again, it, both things can be true. It could be a very talented team, very high potential. A lot of the time I love when people come up to me and they're like, I like your boys this year. And I'm like, do you want to just me bet it with you? And you just bet me, <laughs> and, you know, and I'll take the money. Like, cause I, I know that they're not going to win the Super Bowl with the current regime in place because they think that their way is the only way and it, like the best – I hate the comparison that people like to make of the Cowboys and the Leafs because at least the Cowboys have won uh, three series in the 90s, whereas you know I, I've seen every Leafs series from 1992-93 onward just because I live in Canada and it's force-fed down my throat. But I will say that there's a lot of parallels of that of where they come into the season, people hype them up to my face, and I'm just like, are you sure? Like, that's probably not a good idea. But then once they start winning, I'm like, here we go. Here we go. We're going to get it. And then we don't. And then I'm crying in a corner. Just unnecessarily had to bring my Maple Leafs into this conversation. The the wounds are still fresh, Jill. Well, I didn't walk the streets with a soggy cigar getting yelled at people (laughs) to show how despondent I was about the loss. But at the same time, you got to admit – that uh, there is a lot of parallels in that, of that they're just a very yes. hype team, they're, they're very profitable, but they just can't get out of their own way, and they can't seem to overcome just the littlest hurdle to make it too far enough where you could feel like, okay, at least I have something to build towards. Yeah, I think even Stephen A. Smith called the, the Maple Leafs the Cowboys of, of the NHL, so... Uh, that, yep, that hurts. Uh, let's talk, uh, NFL MVP here. Just going to wrap things up a few more for you. Uh, Josh Allen plus 600 or Patrick Mahomes plus 900. I would probably just go Allen over Mahomes because I think if the bills are going to have the best record in the NFL this year there, he's probably going to win MVP as a result because he's going to be able to rack up a ton of stats. But the one thing I think you and I could both agree on is, um, they can't run him like a, like a dual action quarterback like that because he's going to get popped one of these times and the season's over. Like it was one thing to do that against like the Bucks when they needed that game near the end of the year and to start to do it against um, the Chiefs, like you know, in, in the playoff game. But if they're running him during the season and they're not able to score in different ways and he's constantly trying to have to get like eight to ten yards to carry, uh, that's going to put him in a spot where he's going to get smashed against one of these teams. And uh, I'm really like again, I don't really handicap based on like 
potential injury, especially in the NFL where <laughs> injury can happen at any time. But at the same time, it is hard not to kind of think about that, of that if they're not up, that he starts to try to play hero ball. And I'm just worried that he's going to get his shoulder crunched or something like that. And that's what I worry about, about taking him for an MVP bet is that he's just, he just might get hit or something like that really hard in like the 12th or 13th week of the season. And then you're stuck. Justin Herbert, eight to one, Joe Burrow, 10 to one. Herbert. Herbert just can put up the stats. Burrow, even though he was putting up the stats, he's a better, more like real life quarterback than a fantasy quarterback. Like Justin Herbert is a top five fantasy quarterback just with the studs that he has a wide receiver and just the ability to throw the ball. Like I'm not saying Burrow can't make those throws and that he's not a good quarterback. It's just if we're talking MVP usually goes to the guy with the best record plus the best stats and you combine those two and you output some sort of algorithm that says you're the MVP. And that's the way I look at it is that, Justin Herbert, I think, will have better stats than Burrow. And I think the division is a little bit easier to maybe potentially win than the AFC West. Dak Prescott, 20 to 1, or Matt Ryan, 35 to 1. What? Matt Ryan's not winning MVP. All right. oh, oh, here we chill. go. Eh. Incorrect answer. This was the only one with an objectively correct answer, and it was Matt Ryan, 35 to 1. Well, I'm not going to bet on Dak either, but at the same time, there is no way. Like, what is he, 30? What is he, 47 now? Like, is he trying? No, he's younger than Tom Brady, so he's probably, what, like 40 now? For sure. Matt Ryan is like 40. He's younger than the guy who just won back-to-back MVPs. Yes, this is true, but uh, not really sure if uh, he's going to be asked to do much uh, in Indianapolis, especially with – uh, Jonathan Taylor there, like, of course, he'll be able to make some throws and, you know, guide the offense. But I think he's, uh, I think uh, under Frank Reich, he's going to be the dreaded S word. He's going to be a system quarterback. And that's what's going to happen where he's not going to probably put up a ton of stats. He'll probably have like 25 passing touchdowns and uh, maybe only like seven to 10 interceptions. But it just won't be enough when you look at the gaudy stats that will be thrown just all around him, like let alone in his division. Um, so that's what I worry about with the Colts is that, um, I'm just not sure if they're going to win enough games or if he's going to put up enough stats where they feel that he should get MVP. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's my little Ryan rant, I guess, is that, uh, I, I am happy that you will stand by your guy. I'm happy that you understand that, uh, why I can't vote for him. And, uh, yeah, but I'm just willing to say that neither Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott are going to win MVP next year. I already have my Matt Ryan MVP ticket locked in and a future on the Colts to win the Super Bowl. So I'm so, I, so next year, this is the question then. Are you going to, because you know that the Falcons are going to be likely taking a step back and let's just put it nicely. They're not going to be a good team next year. They're going to stink, Jill. They might not win a game. So if that is the case, are you going to don a Colts hat, maybe a Colts jersey, maybe even a Colts shirt? I just might. every once in a while next year, just in rooting for your boy from Boston College. I'm leaving that possibility open, yes. All right. All right. Well, a special shout out to Trites because uh, your our mutual friend, uh, Rob Trites, uh, is a huge Colts fan, and uh, he will be happy to have you aboard. I, I think he's already let me know that. I think I, I, he might actually not be happy to have me aboard because I'm a jinx. I'm a curse, so that it might actually be bad news for the Colts. Well, just don't go on Twitter talking about, like, yep, Colts are winning. Everybody else are frauds, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, I know you did that. So if you <laughs> did that, so then that's kind of what happens is that that's probably why people who are Colts supporters, like, that's why, like, earlier in the season, before the MLB season started, you tweeted out and you were like, the Blue Jays are winning the World Series. I was like, no, why did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so now, I'm, because it was basically a lose-lose for me. If you win, you will retweet the hell out of that video with another, like, laughing video, maniacal. <laughs> so even if I have to, like, sit there and be like, you know what, I'm happy the Blue Jays won the World Series, I have to walk around in the world knowing that you're just walking up to every single person you know going, Told you so. Told Correct. you so. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I can live in a world like that. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to switch to one last sport. And it's just going to be one question here. Um, this is a sport, I don't know if you've looked at it even for a second um, ahead of next season because their season kind of just ended a, um, a month ago, really, uh, a little over a month ago. Uh, college basketball, who would you rather bet on to win the 2023 National Championship? Your UNC Tar Heels or the Duke Blue Devils? Mm, see, this is UNC, good because UNC is ten to one. Duke is twelve to one. 
See, I'm surprised that UNC is 10 to 1. Like, I think the one thing that's nice is a lot of the guys are coming back. The bad news is, is that I'm not really sure they can get hot like that again, you know, where they just have like ideal matchups in the tournament because that's really what happens is like against UCLA, they should probably lost that game, you know, and you could argue that maybe they should have won the game against Kansas. I'm not going to be that guy, but at the same time, I just don't think Duke is going to be able to retool enough in one year where they're able to just jump right back into it, especially the first year after Mike Krzyzewski retires. So I'm going to go with UNC, trying not to be a homer pick there because, yes, I am a Tar Heels fan, and I'm not just taking the Tar Heels because the other option is Duke. I'm, ta- I'm telling you as just more of a person who watches college basketball, person who's seen this year over year with the recruits, I'm just not sure if Duke can be able to replicate what they had. Um, and even then, that that only equaled to uh, an Elite Eight appearance. So um, they weren't even able to get as far as North Carolina was. And North Carolina isn't retooling like the whole roster the way that Duke does year in, year out. My hot take is that Duke will actually be better this year because Coach K was holding them back. Thoughts on that? So, so that is the underreact of the century. See, you could make the case like with the Carolina case because that was Hubert Davis's first year, and right. what did they do? They went to the title game. So again, a little bit of a little bit of a addition by subtraction, as they say, uh, not having to carry the old man around. So maybe that might be the case. And uh, you know, new head coach uh, for Duke will be able to just uh, put in his own principles, uh, get his own guys locked in, and uh, you know. And it could easily see another championship run for Duke. I wouldn't want to see that happen. I don't think many people do outside of Duke fans want to see that happen. But that is something that is very real. That new coach syndrome can really drive a good team to greatness. The game has passed by these old farts. Same thing with um, you guys, on his name. Don't the, don't say anything bad about Jim Beheim. I don't want to hear. That's it. exactly what I was going to say. Don't do it. <laughs> the game has passed them by. Oh, man. You are besmirching a man who literally invented the best defense ever scheme ever invented. I don't know if he invented it, but he definitely put it to a point where he mastered it. And the zone defense is the reason why Syracuse can go to a Final Four or to a championship game on any given year. Because if their offense is where it needs to be, any team that, especially a college team, which is not built around shooting more often than not, they can just neutralize them instantly and take over a game. That's what always is fun about watching a Syracuse team that makes it to the tournament. But for me, yeah, I mean, if we're going to be splitting hairs, it's okay if Beheim was to retire. I'm, I will be the one to say that I'll miss him. But if you're uh, that guy who says, you know what, out with the old, like, well, then how do you feel about Tom Izzo? Is he in that older stratosphere yet? Or are you going to say, uh, no, he needs a few more years before you can uh, tell him to the, get the boot? No, you're not going to find me. That's that's the one old guy I'm going to defend because I just whenever I think of him, I just think of that clip from a couple of years ago where he lunged at one of his players, and I think it was hilarious. So uh, he he still has that he still has that youth fire burning inside of him. Man, by that logic, you just basically want Bobby Knight to come out of retirement and start right. being a coach again. Yep. Jesus. All right. <laughs> so that that's the standard now is that when uh, coaches want to fight their players. So then by that logic, yeah. then you should have been a big Heat fan because Eric Spolster was ready to fight Jimmy Butler right there on the sideline a couple months ago. I was. I was rooting for the Heat. <laughs> All right. Coaches who want to fight their players are now at the top of Ian's status. I like this. Right. Uh, is Brady Manick coming back for UNC or no? Or is he done? See, I think he's a graduate senior from Oklahoma. So uh, I I think this is his last year. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, they won't miss him, uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to pretend like he is the, the, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. If Caleb Love and Bacot are back there, um, they can easily make another run. Um, All right. There we go. That's all I have for you, Jill. I appreciate you coming on educating me about the NBA finals, talking a little future bets in a few different sports. Um, once again, you can follow him at Twitter at GDog5000. Uh, and his show, Touchdown Town, is only during the NFL season, I believe, obviously, because it's a touchdown show, but Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, check that out. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jill. Any final thoughts on the Bacon Bets podcast? Well, the, I wanted to know, have you, like, and I've been trying to go through it, but I couldn't find it. Maybe you could send it to me. Have you done an episode specifically where you are just cooking bacon the entire time and it's just more of a bacon education episode. I know obviously it's bacon bets, but I feel like you have such a strong stance on how bacon is cooked that it needs more than just 
a five, 10 minute rant at the start of an episode. Like it needs like a full, okay, you might not be able to see this, but I'm going to describe this for people who can't see. And you are literally describing step by step on how to make a perfect cooked slice of bacon. I have not done that. That's a good idea. Maybe I should just make a video. Um, I did make a video once uh, reviewing uh, maple-flavored bacon, uh, so that's out there somewhere. But no, because uh, the strategy, it's, it's not complicated. You just People just need to slow cook it. They just rush their bacon too much. Well, you it's can just do a time-lapse cool. video. You just do a time-lapse video, and that way, you, like from a viewer standpoint, we don't have to sit there for the entire, I don't know, was it an hour that you take to like cook two slices <laughs> of bacon? Yeah, 45 minutes to an hour. The amount, oh of, my God. The, the amount of burnt bacon I've seen in my life is, is a travesty. It, it, to perfect your bacon, you got to just let it sit. Yeah, wiser words have never spoken. Be patient. Exactly. Good things come to those who wait, my friend. <laughs> I can't say anything more, man, because literally we're just debating on how to cook bacon, and now All I'm getting right. hungry. Now I'm just getting hungry. All right, perfect. I'll let you go then. Once again, uh, thank you for coming on. Good luck uh, with your NBA Finals picks, and uh, go Celtics, I guess, eh? Go Celtics, and we'll see you back in Nova Scotia eventually, you expatriate. Come on. Yes. Come back. Come back home. Yes, I'll I'll be there for a few days uh, next month, so maybe we'll, we'll go grab a beer or something. All right. Get the Alexander Keith and the Labatt Blues flowing. Yes, or a, no, a schooner. Great. A schooner. That's schooner. Schooner, the best beer in the world. All right. Thanks, Jill. Uh, Yeah, like I said, good luck. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Cheers, man. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.